tell you what, there's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord, knowing you're right in the middle of God's will. And I'm excited about today because I've, I've got a word that I think will be uplifting, encouraging, challenging. And at the same time, we're entering into a new season as a house. And it's through times like this that we grow stronger. We come together, we learn about each other in ways that we've never known, and we become a stronger community. Um, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like you to take out your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles 20.20. And I'm going to read just the last part of that verse, 2 Chronicles 20.20. When you get it, go ahead and stand up. Second Chronicles 2020. We've got it on the sky bowl, as we call it. It's right above my head. So if you want to look at the sky bowl, you've got it. Second Chronicles 2020, the last part says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted up. We want every eye to be able to see him. The Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. And I know that even as there are some that have been wrestling in this week, if Father, the clarity of your word will bring direction, it will encourage, it will inspire, it will set free. We thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this morning's message, Established in God, Successful in Life. Established in God, Successful in Life. Now our text says, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. I want to do something real quick. I'm going to ask... Uh, Mike, if he'd come back up. I'm going to ask Pastor Paul if he'd come up as well. I'm going to have Pastor Paul on this side. We'll have Mike on this side. And here's what I want you to see. For right now, Pastor Paul is God. There should not be that kind of reaction. I mean, dear Lord, it should be, yes, of course. And over here, Mike is the prophet. See? Now let's try that again. Over here, Pastor Paul is God. And Mike is the prophet. Now, the word says that if we believe in God, believe in God, we're established. How many of you have ever felt like my world is out of control? I don't know what's going on. I have nothing. The word says, believe in God and you're established. It is the foundation that we need for everything that we do to be in God, to be in Christ, to be set there. That's where your establishment comes. Now, to be successful in life, God has sent us prophets so that we might hear his word clearly. Ephesians calls it the fivefold ministry. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? So that they would train us up to do the work of the ministry. So here we have being established in God and the prophets that speak to us. The problem today is that we have become so accustomed to distrusting our leaders that we don't want to hear those that have God-ordained authority in our life. We become so familiar with the gifts that we no longer give honor to the king. I want, I want to say that again. We become so familiar with the gifts that we no longer give honor to the king. You see, Jesus was a prophet, 
But he also said, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. And we can become so familiar with our staff, with our leadership, that we no longer see the gift. We no longer see Pastor Paul. We no longer see the apostolic in Mike, the prophetic. What do we see? We see Paul and Mike, friends. And I used to tell my church, those that, well, I still tell those that I lead today, if I can't first be your pastor, I can never be your friend. Because if we get so close that you can no longer hear the gift in my life, we're too close. Now, that's a matter of attitude. Because you can be very close to somebody and still respect the gift that's in their life. Pastor Paul gave us a phenomenal uh, word of encouragement last week. Building and strengthening, setting some direction and some course, introducing and and continuing the, the loving a thousand delight. But here's what I want you to see also. Pastor Paul, I want you to stand right here. Because too often we see establishing in God. Yeah, right in front and just face the congregation. Yeah. Uh, we see being established in God and listening to the prophets almost as if they're two separate entities. But they're not. I want you to stand right behind. And here I am. If you have this in proper order, you're going to see God out front. You're going to see what it is that he has for us. You will respect the prophet. You will respect the word of the Lord that comes to us. Because then we're able to follow in the steps that he has for us. These aren't two separate entities. They God, there's none other like him. There is no other God but God. But it is that anointing that is upon the prophet. God said, I trust the men and women that I call. If you trust me, then you must trust my decisions. So if God has appointed the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, then my responsibility, if I'm going to operate in faith, is to believe what God has done. And if I do, then I'll have success in life. Mic drop. We can just stop right there. Thank you, gentlemen. Wanted to give you that little illustration before we get into this. Because we are launching... We're really at a launching point here at Faith Builders as I see it. And we all desire to see the power of God on display within our midst. And for those of you that have been studying with us the power of God, the authority, the power and the dominion, we know that it's all available to us through our relationship with the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Father. We understand that we're in a relationship that is a covenantal relationship with Almighty God. Keeping obedience to His Word is what allows us to flow in the authority, power, and dominion. We'd all agree that an understanding of authority and obedience is the key to faith, just like the centurion. He understood authority. He said, I understand authority. And Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. Why? Because of that understanding. We put God in his rightful place. We listen to the authority of the apostles and the prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers that God has placed in our life to lead us up. You know, we'd all like to believe that we'd be faithful to the word. But we expect our leaders to be flawless. How do I know? Because I asked my staff once. In a staff meeting, I said, I want you to bring back to me next week your expectations of me as your pastor. 
Because one of the greatest problems that we face is unmet expectations and unspoken expectations. In a marriage, we often have expectations, but we don't tell our spouse, and then when they don't meet our expectation, we get mad. Well, that's really not fair. <clears throat> so I figured, okay, I'm going to ask my staff, what are your expectations of me? And the following week, they came back, and I took all their lists, and I compiled all their lists. And when I put it all together, their expectations were simple. Be perfect, flawless, just like Jesus. Simple. So after I read their expectations, I looked at them and I said, I will fail you. Because I am not flawless. I am not perfect and I will at times, do something wrong. Now, I'll be quick to repent, but that does not mean that I'll do everything perfectly the first time. But I would submit to all of us here today that the most courageous thing a pastor and leadership can do is to lead a church and a congregation into uncharted territory. It takes courage. When the children of Israel were about ready to take a new promised land, Joshua had just inherited the leadership position, if you will, appointed by God. And the first thing he does is he gets alone and he prays and he's seeking God. And God appears and he's in combat mode. The angel of the Lord is there. He rises up and he's got his sword. He said, are you with us or against us? The angel said, well, i got a different story for you. I'm the captain of the army of the Lord. Are you with us? See, Joshua was thinking horizontally. Are you with me or against me? God thinks vertically. I am with you. Keep your eyes focused on me. Not this way or this way. That's not your enemy. That's not your enemy. I'm your source. And in me, every enemy will fall. Here at Faith Builders, Pastor Barb has laid out a vision. Went in prayer, heard from the Lord. Said, this is the direction we're going. We're going to love a thousand to light. We need to embrace the vision and not become familiar with the messenger. Embrace the message. Don't get so familiar with the messenger that we go, oh, it's just a, it's a cute card you printed. No, there's a vision. Habakkuk 2.2 says, when you get the vision, you write it down. It is written. It is in color. We're going to love a thousand to light. It's not the number 1,000 the way we often think. It's not for number's sake. It means that one that came to Jesus multiplied by a thousand. That one whose life you changed. That one that's struggling today. That one that's having a hard time because you loved them to life. One by one by one by one by one. Until the vision of a thousand is superseded by the next chapter. See, miracles are always preceded by prayer. Having an open heart, listening to the Spirit of God, becoming obedient to His Word, and then receiving our miracle. You might say, great, but how does that pertain to me and my family? How does this thousand pertain to me? Well, I want to show you today how that works. Back to our text. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. The first step in receiving the blessing of the covenant is to be established in God. 
It was amazing this week. I had two conversations with two different individuals. They called me and, and I was encouraging them. I said, you know the answer. You always call me, but the answer is the same. You need God. You need to be in the house of God. You need to be learning and growing in the things of God. And both of them said this, I hate the church. And I said, no, you don't. So well, we can believe in God and, and not go to church. No, you can't. Don't even give me that. You can be born again and not show up. But you can't love God and not show up. You're gifted. You're anointed. And it's to be used to be a blessing to others. Not in your living room so you can get a head start on the Cardinals game. God knows you're not missing anything this year. <laughs> Spoken like a true Seahawk fan. I'm just joking with you. Got to lighten the mood for a moment. I said, no, you don't hate the church. What you hate is the hypocrisy you've seen. Because the church is God's idea. You hate the church, you hate him. What they're really saying is, I got hurt. I got hurt by somebody. And I'll never give myself to that again. That's not living. It's not living to be so bound up by the hurts of the past that we can't see the glories of the future. I'm not going to be so bound up by those hurts that I can't step into my miracle that God has for me can't help but wonder how many people have missed their miracle because they were still living in their hurt. See, but believing in God's just the starting point. It's just the beginning. Believing in God gives us our foundation. The psalmist said, your word is settled forever in the heavens. It doesn't change. Your word's established. But believing God's prophets, see, we can all say we believe this word because a lot of times it's easier to say that than to say I'm going to believe the leaders God has placed in my life because that means we're going to have to become humble and submit ourselves to that leadership. We've got to surrender ourselves to the word as it comes through our leaders. I don't see it. I don't see it. Shh, shh, shh. Doesn't matter whether you see it. Pastor did. <laughs> How many of you have ever been on a train? Right? I understand we're going to have some train rides here coming up in Christmas. How many of you know that none of you are going to be driving the train. But you can all go for the ride. Or you can stand back and watch everybody else ride. Your option is not to drive the train. It's whether to get on it and ride it or to watch everybody else ride it. So it is with the vision of Pastor Barb. She's going to run the train. We get to hop on it or stand by and watch it go. I remember when I first started ministry, I said this to the youth group I was leading. I said, listen, I'm going to run with the runners and if you're lagging, you're going to lag on your own. My youth group grew from 35 people to 15 in one week. My wife will testify to that because she was in my youth group. Yes, she married her youth pastor. She chased me till I caught her. 
but it's really true. My choice is to get on board and to follow. Once our pastor says, I heard God, there is no discussion. There is no, but what if? There is, no, I heard God. That ends it. Now we choose to get on board or not get on board. I choose to get on board. See, faith takes us out of the realm of our ability to accomplish something and puts us into the arena of only God. Here's why. Because if whatever God's called us to do, you can do on your own, it's probably not God. Because it's at that moment you become God in your own life. But when God has called you to do something that's bigger than you, and you know you can't accomplish it, odds are he's behind that because you're going to have to depend on him to get it done. Our success comes when we hear and obey the word of the prophets that are built upon the foundation of the word. Let me give you a biblical illustration. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. Or 1 Kings. Should be 1 Kings. I think I put in my note 2 Kings. That's an incorrect. That's a typo. Should be 1 Kings 17. Now here's what's going on. Israel's been in a rebellious phase. We know that Ahab is the king. His wife is Jezebel. And she has turned the heart of the king to idolatry. Idolatry is running rampant in the land. And this Jezebel is really controlling everything behind the scenes. The king is the figurehead, but what Jezebel says goes. You got to get this. When that takes place, there's a prophet in the land by the name of Elijah. And he's going to challenge the status quo of what he sees. Because he's heard the word of the Lord. Ahab, in essence, has abdicated his throne to an individual that was not anointed to carry it. I'm going to speak to leaders because I know we've got global leaders that tune into this. The moment you abdicate your position of authority to those that weren't anointed to carry it, you have doomed the ministry to failure. Because it's at that moment that you are no longer leading. Ahab did that exact thing. Anointed king, but turned it over to somebody who could not carry it without going astray. Jezebel led the entire nation into huge idolatry because Ahab would not say no. Israel under Ahab's leadership or lack thereof is turned from the Lord and focused on what they were able to do rather than what God was able to do through that nation. And when a Jezebel spirit is involved, famine and dryness eventually show its ugly head. When idolatry is in place, there's nothing but dryness, famine, drought. When you see those things, it should be obvious to us. Something's out of line, something's out of whack. See, when we talk about light, light dispels darkness. The moment you begin to allow light to come in, darkness has to flee. Don't think that we're going to go through this with no opposition. The enemy will say, no, no, I own those thousand. You can't have them. But remember, he has no authority over us. We just walk in with the light of God and what happens to darkness? It has to go. It does not mean you will not come up against opposition. What it does mean is the opposition cannot overcome you.
takes a true it takes a true prophet of the Lord to discern the times and seasons that the Lord has in his control. Now let's go and take a look at 1 Kings 17 some more. Verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came to him. Everybody say the word of the Lord. That's it. That's established. The word of the Lord comes to the prophet. He said, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Huh. Now think about this. You're the prophet Elijah, and you've just declared no rain. It will not rain in the land again till I say so. God honors the word of his prophets. It's not going to rain. The prophet's going to speak what he hears from the Lord. It's not going to rain. But God said in the midst of this, I'm still going to take care of you. You go to this brook Cherith, I've got birds that will feed you there. They're going to bring you everything you need. So while the nation is being plunged into famine and dryness and drought, Elijah's sitting by the brook eating fine with the ravens feeding him. Too often, though, we look at the surrounding situation and we buy into it rather than realizing you are the ones that God will send to the brook and take care of you in the midst of any situation. You shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Look at that. So he went and did according to the word. The word came. And he did it. The word came and he did it. Everybody say, the word came and he did it. Say it again. The word came and he did it. Hmm. There's a key in there. I like it. You see, God will always give you a battle plan to succeed. And God sustained him in that place. Now let's drop down to verse 7. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Who said there would be no rain? Prophet. Elijah. Elijah said, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now here's the problem. Many of us, when the times get tough and the brook dries up, when we know that it's within our ability to change it, we short, we short in the plan of God by trying to change the situation. Elijah could have said, okay, rain, my brook's dried, let's have rain. Why? Because he said, as soon as I say it, it'll happen. But God wasn't done dealing with the nation yet. It wasn't time to declare rain yet. But we have a tendency to abort the plan of God by taking things back into our hand and allowing God's word to fall to the side because we looked at the situation and the brook was dry. We're coming to a time to where we're all going to be participating in an, uh, an offering. Don't allow your dry brook to derail the plan of God. Look at verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. What happened in that dry place now? The word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. <clears throat> no water. The land's in a drought. And there's a widow that God speaks to and says, My prophet's going to come to you. Take care of him. Who did God speak to? He 
spoke directly to the widow and commanded her to take care of the prophet. What's God doing? He's preparing the way for her miracle. If you will be obedient to my word, you will get your miracle. If you will honor the prophet and what he says, you will get your miracle. You'll be successful in life. Isn't that what 2 Chronicles 20.20 said? You will be successful in life. The word of the Lord came, arise and go, verse 10. So he arose and went. The word came and he obeyed the word. Let's say that again. The word came and he obeyed the word. The word came and he obeyed the word. God had established Elijah by the brook, but it wasn't enough just to protect the prophet. He was trying to change the heart of a nation. And in the church arena today, we can become so introspective that we're happy by ourselves in our brook while the world is dying and going to hell. We're not from here, by the way. We're just sojourning through with a mission as ambassadors for the Most High. God saw the need of the widow. God sees the needs of the thousand. They're out there. They have needs just like this widow woman did. <laughs> that reminded me of my staff when I preached a message on this once, and the widow woman, and they thought I had a impediment, speech impediment. Little woman? No, widow. Widow woman. <laughs> yeah, not little woman, widow woman. Her husband has passed on. <laughs> when you've preached as long as I have, there's all kinds of things that fly out of your mouth, and you're just like, what? see, this woman was in great need. I want you to see how God operates. This woman had a great need, a great need. She lived amid an idolatrous nation ruled by an evil queen, and she had lost all hope. The Bible says, when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a, in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, now stop right there. He said, bring me some water. We're in a drought. He said, bring me some water so I can drink. God's already commanded her to take care of the prophet. She's thinking, wow, if that's it, cool. I can do that. I'll go get the water. But as she's going, as she's on the way, he says something else. He called to her and he says this. Bring me a morsel of bread. <laughs> it's almost like that. Old movie, The Jerk, with Steve Martin. All I need is this, maybe this, well, maybe this. <laughs> I'm really dating myself in this one, aren't I? But here's Elijah. Just go get me some water. Oh, and maybe a morsel of bread. But the moment he said that, something in her said, I can't go that far. Now she was asked to do something that was a true sacrifice. 
See, the water wasn't really a sacrifice, even though it was a time of drought. She was on her way to get it. But when he asked for bread, now that was going to be a sacrifice. Why? Because she had to give away what she needed to survive. Do you think for one moment God wanted her to give it away so she would die? See, when you drop back down into the natural, that's where your thinking goes. Notice, God spoke the word and Elijah obeyed. God spoke the word and Elijah obeyed. God spoke the word to the widow and she's backing up. Verse 12 says, and she said, as the Lord your God lives. You got to catch the terminology. This is your God. God wants to help the widow. But if he's going to help her, he's got to become God in her life. He can't just be Pastor Barb's God, Pastor Paul's God. It's got to be your God. He has to be real in your life. He's got to become personal in your life where you're walking with him every day as the prophet does. Because when you do, you'll recognize the word of the Lord. It makes sense. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. Boy, I never saw that coming. That's God. You weren't ready for it, but he knows what you need to get you out of your widowhood. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now that is desperate. We have nothing. Pastor Barb says, we're going to receive a sacrificial offering. I've got nothing. Good. Give your nothing to me. Oh, that doesn't sound right. Of course it doesn't. That's your flesh. The flesh says, I can't do that. God says, I know your need. Will you trust me? Am I really God? Then why are you concerned about tomorrow? If I'm really God, Trust me. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Oh, didn't he nail it? Why is it that we don't want to do what it is that God's asked us to do? Because we're afraid. What if I can't do this? What if I can't do this? What if I can't pay my bill? What if I can't? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you think God knows that? He's a better account of what's in your bank than you are. He knows to the penny what your assets are. <sighs> Somehow we think we know better than he does. Elijah said, don't fear. Go and do as you have said. But first... Make a little cake of it and bring it to me. Can you imagine the headlines today? Prophet tells widow to go ahead and die. Just die. Prosperity preacher takes widow's last meal. Radical feminine woman preacher finally shows true colors. I mean, those would be the headlines today. You wouldn't find anybody going, prophet of the Lord spoke, blessings are on the way. You wouldn't see that headline. You wouldn't see the one sacrificial giving a loud breakthrough. 
some of you would do anything to get that son or daughter born again. You would do anything to see that mom and dad born again. Anything for that aunt, uncle, that grandma, that grandma. You would do anything to see them set free from drugs. You touch the heart of God with a thousand and let God touch the heart of what you love. You touch what he loves, he'll touch what you love. You can't buy his favor and you can't buy a move but you can be obedient and get a miracle. After you've made it for me, then you can go make it for you and your son. For thus says the Lord of the God of Israel, here's what God says. The jar of flour shall not be spent the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain. I will sustain you through your darkest moment. And when the daylight comes, you'll be okay. No matter how dark it gets, we're going to turn on the light. And when the darkness is at its worst, God's going to turn it on and say, I will sustain you no matter what. I'm God. I'm able to do it. See, after this moment, verse 15 says, And she went and did as Elijah said. Oh, she went and did as Elijah said. She did it. She did it. When she started to do it, her breakthrough was coming. When she went, she, she laid the foundation for a miracle. Nothing changed in her eyes. The flower did not change. The oil did not change until she made a step and she made the cake. And the Bible says in verse 16, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord. Why? God said it. God said it. It's going to happen. Now, we like this story, but I'm going to take it just one step further in closing. See, the very next chapter, Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal and Asherah calls fire from heaven. He calls fire from heaven and devours the sacrifice. When they were cutting themselves with knives and screaming out to their gods and nothing was happening to their sacrifice, Elijah comes, he calls fire from heaven and then it kills 850 false prophets. One of the greatest confrontations you see in the word of God. But I would submit to you, it would not have happened had there not been a widow at Zarephath. Because of one widow's obedience, the prophet was sustained. She got a miracle, and the nation's false prophets are about to be destroyed. This isn't just something we do because it sounded like a good idea. I don't know why I said we. I wasn't in on this decision. I'm like the rest of you. I hear it, I obey. Why? That's what we do. We hear the word of the Lord and we obey. Now, I'm believing that through this time, I'm coming into agreement with our pastor. I'm coming into agreement for a thousand loved a life. But I'm also looking to the fire from heaven that destroys the falsehoods and the lies and the things that have bound up our region for so long. And God's going to come breaking through with light like we've never seen and say what you once knew will no longer 
be holding you back. What you once thought was the norm will no longer stop you from accomplishing what I have for you. I'm going to expand your vision. I'm going to take you to where you thought you'd never go. I'm going to show you things you thought you'd never see. And I'm going to answer your prayers in a miraculous way. Amen? Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to thank Him right now, just in your way. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. This is going to be a season to where some of you are going to lay down some things that are very dear to you. But it just opens a door for something greater. Never determine the call of God or a move of God by what you see with your natural eyes. For some of you, maybe a guest today, welcome you. But if this were a bus, there's a sign on the bus that says this is where we're going. There might be somebody in here that's never had the foundation in God to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Believe God, you'll be established. That's the first step. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, but I know I need a miracle, I'll take that first step. I want to be established in Him. I want you just to raise your hand anywhere in here and say, that's me. I've never been born again, but I want to be today. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now for the rest of us, means that we're in a position to hear our pastor and obey. And if you're willing to say, you know what? I thought I was down to my last meal. But my miracle's coming. I thought it was over, but my miracle's coming. I lost my job, but my miracle's coming. I'm going through family turmoil, but my miracle's coming. Wherever you find yourself today, if you're willing to commit to that last meal, and say, God, all that I am, all that I have and all that I ever will be, I'm putting in your hands. I want you just to lift your hand and say, that's me. That's me. All that I am, all that I have, I place in your hands. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Father, as we come together as a body of believers, I thank you so much for your delivering power, for the miracles that are available to us. Ah, oh, Father, if I could just grab everybody's heart and let them see what you have in store, I would do it. But you've already done it through your word. May it become so clear. It just makes sense. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so awesome. You know, just before Pastor Paul comes, this song, the rain came, the winds blew. How appropriate that is.
we're built on a foundation that's not moved by the wind or the rain. Solidly in what God has for us. Let's just sing this for a moment together. Thank you, Jesus.